0: Welcome to the Good News Ride Home for Wednesday, July 15th, 2020. I'm Jackson Bird. Today, how to see five planets in the sky at the same time this weekend, the scoop on chocolate chip cookie dough, and a new device that will basically act as noise-canceling headphones for your entire apartment. Here are some of the cool things from the news today. So earlier this week, I talked about how to spot Comet Neowise, which is visible in the skies just after sunset in the Northern Hemisphere, at least through the end of the week. But this weekend, you also have the opportunity to see five different planets all at once. They'll all be visible in the sky for most of the month, but if you want to see them all together, you are going to have to get up really early this Sunday the 19th, an hour and six minutes before sunrise specifically. And while you should be able to see them all without the aid of a telescope or binoculars, if you're not a seasoned astronomer, you might want to download an app like Skyview that can help you locate the planets. But here are a few tips to get you started. Jupiter and Saturn rise around sunset these days, but if you want to catch all the planets at once, these two will start sinking below the horizon about two hours before sunrise in the morning. A lot of the other planets don't rise until the early hours of the morning, so this is the time that you would want to go out and look. Jupiter is the fourth brightest celestial object, and today it's at its peak brightness, so that should help you be able to spot it. Saturn will be the bright object just to the east of Jupiter, and if you curve further southeast, you should spot Mars. Mars is bright tonight, brighter than average, because like Jupiter, it's currently in opposition, which means that the Earth is passing between Mars and or Jupiter and the Sun. If you keep following the ecliptic curve down to the horizon, you should see Venus, which rises in the eastern sky around 3 a.m. Now, to see Mercury, you will probably need some binoculars. It rises just 45 minutes before sunrise, so it competes with a lightning sky for visibility, but all you have to do is look out for a small red dot. It's pretty rare to have so many planets visible in the sky at once, and while all five are technically visible, only Jupiter and Saturn are experiencing what's called conjunction, or basically just when the planets are really close together. The last conjunction of Jupiter and Saturn was back in 2000, but the next one is actually happening again this year on December 21st, aka the winter solstice. It's being called the Great Solstice Conjunction. Jupiter and Saturn will be passing just .06 degrees from each other. And according to Travel and Leisure, this type of conjunction happens about every 19 years, but the one in December will be the closest they've been since the year 1623. Wow. And I gotta say, there's a lot that's lining up in the skies this year. So we've got a great conjunction on the winter solstice. And did you know that there's gonna be a full moon on Halloween this year? A full moon on Halloween also only happens every 19 years. Plus, it's a blue moon. There will have been an earlier full moon that month on October 1st. So two full moons in October this year, with one of them on Halloween. And Halloween marks the end of daylight savings in the US. So, however, we find to celebrate Halloween safely this year, we'll get an extra hour to sleep it off the next day. Everything's happening in 2020. Continuing on our National Ice Cream Month theme in the lead-up to National Ice Cream Day on Sunday, I want to dish on some facts about one of the biggest players in ice cream, Ben & Jerry's. Ben Jerry's got a lot of attention last month when their statement on Black Lives Matter was seen as going above and beyond a lot of the hollow virtue signaling we saw from other brands. part of the reason their statement was so solid was because Ben and Jerry's has been speaking up about racial justice and other issues for years. They're unabashedly progressive and operate on a three-part mission, economic, social, and product. The social prong of the mission includes a slew of issues they state as being committed to as a company, including racial justice, climate justice, LGBTQ plus equality, GMO labeling, refugee rights, getting money out of politics, supporting family farmers and committing to fair trade ingredients. And from corporate initiatives to programs in their scoop shops and the local communities the shops are a part of, Ben and Jerry's has tons of ways that they give back and spread awareness on the issues that they care about. A former coworker of mine was actually invited to a week-long event at Ben & Jerry's headquarters for nonprofit organizers to get together and learn from each other and work with the ice cream company on more effective strategies to engage people and support communities. She could not say enough about how cool the headquarters was and how the people at Ben & Jerry's are the real deal. So next time you buy a pint, just know that you're supporting a genuinely good-hearted company. But let's talk more about those pints. While Ben Cohen and Jerry Greenfield got their start with plain old vanilla ice cream because they wanted to master the basics before moving on to anything too fancy, they soon got started on their path of wacky, chunky flavors thanks to an anonymous suggestion on the bulletin board of their first scoop shop in Burlington, Vermont. The suggestion? To put chunks of cookie dough into their vanilla ice cream. Yes, chocolate chip cookie dough did not exist in our world until 1984 and we have Ben & Jerry to thank for it. Well, technically, the founder of Fabulous Phil's Gourmet Ice Cream in Lanesboro, Massachusetts, also seems to have invented chocolate chip cookie dough ice cream that same year. Did someone visit Fabulous Phil's, fall in love with the cookie dough flavor, and then suggest Ben & Jerry's introduce the same? Or did someone experience it at Ben & Jerry's and suggest it to Fabulous Phil? We may never know, but suffice it to say, chocolate chip cookie dough ice cream is way newer than I ever imagined it was, and that whether they were the first or not, Ben and Jerry's were right there at the start, and it was a hit from the beginning. Quoting Ben and Jerry's blog, The flavor was initially available only at the Burlington, Vermont scoop shop, and fans began coming from all over to get their hands on it. One of our employees remembers seeing a group of students from the University of Vermont visit the Burlington Scoop Shop, only to find that they were out of chocolate chip cookie dough. The students ended up going to the grocery store across the street and purchasing a roll of slice-and-bake cookie dough. They brought it back, ordered vanilla ice cream, cut up the roll, and stirred it in. End quote. While it's possible they weren't the original inventors of the flavor, they were the first ones to figure out how to sell cookie dough ice cream on grocery shelves in a pint. Quoting again, Ben and Jerry's has always believed that if something is worth doing, it's worth doing right. In the case of chocolate chip cookie dough, that meant figuring out how to get that familiar cookie dough taste, consistency, and texture at ice cream temperatures. Our primal ice cream therapist, Peter Lind, teamed up with another values-led business, Rhino Foods, and over an incredible six-year journey, we perfected the cookie dough found in our pints today. Rhino Foods spent a lot of time in our kitchen, and we spent a lot of time in theirs. We mixed, we stirred, we built contraptions, and we ate a massive amount of cookie dough together. This was the first of many journeys blending art and science in the cause of ice cream innovation, end quote. And thus, in 1991, cookie dough ice cream hit the shelves for the very first time. Not that their cookie dough flavor will ever end up here, but for other flavors that totally bomb or well, fall out of flavor, Ben & Jerry's has an entire flavor graveyard at their factory in Waterbury, New Hampshire. And you can stroll through it if you ever visit. Each flavor has a granite headstone with a little pun-filled epitaph, like this one for Fossil Fuel, which was a flavor from 2005 to 2010 featuring fudge dinosaurs and chocolate cookie pieces. The headstone reads, Fudgy dinosaurs galore, got all dug up till there were no more. A flavor redesign might be doable, but fossil fuel is non-renewable. Ben and Jerry's even shot a light-hearted, gothic kind of funeral video showing off the graveyard with a funeral procession and a little pint-sized coffin. Link to watch the video in the show notes. And also on the page of that link, you can vote for any of your favorite discontinued flavors to be resurrected. I'm into that fossil fuel one. Fudge dinosaurs sound awesome. But apparently the most requested flavors to be resurrected are Wavy Gravy and Rainforest Crunch. So maybe we'll be seeing those again someday. In the meantime, this whole segment has made me super crave some Netflix and chilled. So I think I might be going out to buy some of that later today. plan, streams, and standard definition. Programming subject to change. These terms, and restrictions apply. See for details. With the peak of summer in full swing, a lot of people are keeping their windows open to try to get a cool breeze. And as we learn more about transmission of the coronavirus and how open spaces allow particles to disperse better, open windows will probably continue to be even more in vogue no matter the weather. Which is all fine and good if you live in a quiet countryside or easygoing neighborhood. But if you're in a crowded city or live near a current construction project, opening the windows can often mean making a difficult decision between fresh air and annoying sounds. For example, I just shut my windows to record this podcast without the sounds of traffic and my neighbors shouting at each other. But I am totally baking in this Dutch oven of an office now. But a team of scientists in Singapore think they may have come up with a solution to our problem. As the New York Times describes it, it's basically like a giant pair of noise-canceling headphones for your whole house. Masaharu Nishimura and Ban Lam, a researcher at Nanyang Technological University in Singapore, developed the Anti-Noise Control Window, a large device that you can put in your window to reduce incoming sound by 10 decibels. Currently, just a prototype that definitely has some practical application kinks to work out. It consists of 24 small speakers that you put in your window. Quoting the New York Times, The speakers emit sound waves that correspond to the incoming racket and neutralize it, or at least some of it. The system is based on the frequency of sound waves, and for now, the optimal range is between 300 and 1000 hertz. With any sound, the best way to reduce it is at its source, like a gun's silencer. So the researchers treated the window aperture itself as the noise source, because most noise enters a room that way. The system uses a microphone outside the window to detect the repeating sound waves of the offending noise source, which is registered by a computer controller. That, in turn, deciphers the proper wave frequency needed to neutralize the sound, which is transmitted to the array of speakers on the inside of the window frame. The speakers then emit the proper anti-waves, which cancel out the incoming waves, and there you have it. Near blissful silence. End quote. Right now, the device mostly filters out steady, ongoing sounds like traffic or other buzzing noises that fall within the frequency range. So things like isolated car horns or human conversation wouldn't be filtered out. Yet. To get some of those lower frequency noises would require larger speakers, but of course the bigger the speakers, the less your window is functional as a window. As they figure out how to neutralize more frequencies, I think they will have to, in a contradictory way, work on making the speakers smaller and more aesthetically pleasing than they currently are. Right now, the 24 speakers are pretty overbearing and ominous looking. I mean, I could only see someone who's super desperate to alleviate the noise opting for this product right now. But it is a prototype, and I think it's pretty cool to think what will come from this type of technology in the future. And in my opinion, as a city dweller, it can't come soon enough. That is it from me for today. As always, this show was produced by Ride Home Media. I'm Jackson Bird. I hope you have a good rest of your day, and I will talk to you tomorrow.